Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hey, everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. All right, Pharrell with uh, your boy Carver High right there. Uh, did you, uh, Carver High, did you get a chance to see the guy, uh, S. Kang, with the, uh, I can't keep track of his name, uh, but I, I saw the hole-in-one. He flew it in. It was a beautiful shot. And then I know that the real story right now is uh, Thomas and Spieth are both rolling in birdies. I know Spieth, you said, had like three in a row or something. He's at three. Thomas has been rolling him in. He's at four. So a lot of guys are making moves. A lot of guys are making moves. I did see the hole-in-one. Incredible shot. Nice job by him. Uh, Spieth, three birdies in a row. He's now gotten himself to minus three. He's making a move. He's tied for 22nd. Justin Thomas is starting to play well. So some of these big guns, Scotty, and Spieth is the guy we talked about the most, right? Because everybody's so concerned for such a long time about how Jordan Spieth is going to play. They come back here off the long break, playing at a course that he knows well. He has won at this course before. And uh, that's why I like to put a little action uh, like I did last night on Spieth to get this done over at FanDuel. So good to see Spieth in the mix here, Scotty. All right. So um, I just wanted to say uh, we'll keep our eyes on it. I know Spieth went birdie, 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 par, and that was to uh, start the backside. And unless I'm mistaken, he's playing with Fowler. Fowler's at one under. So Spieth's uh, at three and, and playing uh, some decent golf. We've had our eyes on him, uh, you know, going into this tournament. We've talked about him at great length about what's happened to him, like what's happened to his game. And, uh, you know, he was the hottest thing in golf a couple of years ago. And he was uh, this rising superstar and he had won majors and and just started taking over the golf world. And then he fell off the face of the earth. And then we talked about how uh, Justin Thomas passed him. And then just like stole his thunder from him completely. Uh, and it's just such a brutal game to play and so difficult and so hard. And you can go uh, through ups and downs like nobody's business. Um, do we have him? Are we ready to go here? All right. So uh, anyway, we're, we're going to keep our eyes on the golf. Uh, we have uh, just uh, battled for an hour <laughs> we have battled for an hour to get Mitch on the show. Uh, I have never, I've had more fun at the prostate exam today. Honestly, when the guy said, are you going to watch golf today? I was like, yeah. How's the wife and kids? I'm like, everything's fine. How have you been? 
So uh, Doc I went always that loves today. <laughs> Doc <laughs> always loves when you visit. <laughs> Doc Doc Garden loves rummaging through my garage and getting things done and getting things accomplished. He's a great doctor, though, and uh, he knows all my surgeons that have operated on my body. I'm a walking hospital clinic. I've had so many surgeries and so many broken bones and you name it, torn this, ripped that, broken this, broken that. All right, we're going to uh, throw it over to uh, our boy Mitch Lawrence from NBA Radio on Sirius XM. Somehow, someway, uh, we couldn't get him on the uh, camera today, and I don't even care anymore at this point. I'm just glad we got him on the show. I think we have him on the show. How are you doing, Mitch? Scott, I'm glad to be on. Yeah, we tried our best. We couldn't make it work with the Zoom stuff, but I got you now. How are you doing? Okay, Pam? Doing okay? I'm doing all right. Uh, one of these days, we'll get you on the uh, on the <laughs> TV side for sure. We'll figure it out. I guarantee it. We'll get it all squared away. So uh, our radio affiliates are joining us now across the country. Good to have them with us on Coast to Coast on Sports Grid. Uh, Mitch Lawrence is with us from NBA Radio. All right. Uh, let me ask you first of all, Mitch, and, and I got a lot of things I want to ask you about. I want to start with, uh, and respectfully here, I got three minutes. Um is that about right? Mafia three or less? All right. So Mitch, I have a minute and a half right now to start this conversation about uh, James okay. Dolan. What took him so long to get off his schneid and say something about the George <laughs> Floyd uh, situation? What did he end up saying? Not much. He never mentioned police brutality. He never mentioned the fact that there are racial problems in this country. So for some people, Scott, it was a big fat nothing that you ended up saying. But that's how James Dolan is. You know, James Dolan's not going to come out and bend to anybody's demands in terms of you've got to say this and you've got to say that. That's his track record. I'm not surprised that the Garden didn't take a stand. That's where we are now with them. You can agree or disagree with that. But nobody's going to force James Dolan into doing anything. And let's keep in mind, too, he did give Donald Trump a ton of money, you know, for his campaign. He's probably going to do that again. So who knows, you know, who knows why he's not getting it. He, he, we all know why he's not going to get involved. This stuff, uh, he doesn't want to get involved with it. So I got 30 seconds here. How difficult did he make your job? Were you walking on eggshells when you covered the Knicks? No, never. He, no, because back then he was actually talking to the media. He was talking to me. He was talking to Frank Isola. And then he started to cut us off. But then, you know, I mean, you still, you know, writing a column for the New York Daily News, you know, because you read it, I would still take shots at Dolan if I felt that it was warranted. And believe me, it's been 20 years where he's been doing a lot of things, mostly, mostly everything wrong. So I had no problem uh, taking him to task for stuff. But the fact that he stopped talking, that was his thing, not my thing. All right, so when we come back, we're going to uh, talk with Mitch Lawrence about uh, league issues, uh, the Orlando situation, the bubble, players uh, that are now uh, not mandated to go. They can make their own mind up, and, and a growing number of them are not going to go. We'll get into it with Mitch. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, everyone. It's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. 
I'm still on my own journey, but I want to be transparent with you because as I was posting all the highlights of my life on social media, I was breaking down and too many people fall victim to the picture perfect image of the high life. So I created a space to discuss the good and the bad. We can laugh, man. We, we gonna learn. And most of all, I hope to inspire you to go on this journey with me to better mental health. This is going to be your church, your turn up and everything in between. So join me on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, a safe space for every kind of person. Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. with you on Coast to Coast. We're talking to Mitch Lawrence of NBA Radio on Sirius XM. Mitch, what do you know about the growing uh, uh, it's like a weed, the amount of players that are, are allegedly uh, you know, not interested in going to Orlando uh, and that they've given them the right to, you know, not go if you don't want to go because of COVID or social justice issues. Uh, what is the deal? Is that is that group growing in numbers? It's a good question. I don't know if it's growing in numbers, but obviously, you know, when the league first came out and started to leak out information about this tournament and play-ins and this whole, you know, contrived end of season where it's not going to, it's going to get an asterisk no matter what anybody says, because it's not the real NBA playoff, everybody in one place. Uh, there was no, no leaking about testing. There was no leaking about taking care of the players. And so I'm sure Adam Silver with Chris Paul and Michelle Roberts, oh, Chris Paul, the head of the Players' Union, Michelle Roberts, the head of the union, uh, they've got to be wor- worried about this uh, growing faction of players. I think they need to allay some fears by talking to players about what they're going to do to uh, guarantee. And it's a trying. You know, this has never been done before. Let's remember, you know, they're gonna, the, the, the players are in a situation, Scott, remember where Greg Popovich caught a lot of flack long ago for resting players, he said, no, 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 it's not resting. It's a safety and health issue. That's what the players are talking about here. And I don't have a problem with that. And by the way, if, if guys don't want to go and play, and I think a lot of guys will go and play in Orlando, but there might be some who won't guys who aren't going to go, uh, they're, they're not going to get paid. And they might feel like, you know what? I don't want to subject myself to that. I think that's one of the reasons Kevin Garnett doesn't want to, excuse me, Kevin Durant doesn't want to play for the Nets. Besides the fact he's looking at as a kind of a fugazi ending to the season is that he's already contracted coronavirus. Was he need to go back and uh, may subject himself more to that? So we'll see, we'll see how much it grows. And we'll see how much they, they try to attempt uh, as best they can to get all the players or as many players as they can, especially the big-time players, to go to Orlando. Do you, do you think, Mitch, that, uh, that it's going to work, that this uh, plan for these 22 teams in Orlando in this bubble, and they're not allowed to leave the bubble, and if they do, they're quarantined, what kind of disaster is this thing going to turn into? I'm starting to wonder. <laughs> well... You should really ask Dr. Anthony Fauci, right? Not me, because he's he's the guy who has those type of answers. I hope it works for the league's sake, but there's no guarantee. I mean, look, one of the issues they have is you're going to have all these teams, the 22 teams in Orlando, and staying at these Walt Disney hotels, okay, fine, and Disney World. But what about the people who service the players, the housekeepers, and other people who feed the players? Are they going to be guaranteed to be quarantined? Are they going to be 
game going? Are they going to have to subject themselves to living in a bubble for months on end? That's a question I'm sure that Adam Silver and all his people are trying to get answers to, to give to the players, to get them to go there. So I, I don't know. It could be a disaster in the making. We don't. We have no idea. It's never been tried before. But we all know the reason they did it, Scott. They had to come back and play some semblance of a regular season at the end to recoup some of the enormous amount of money that they're going to lose this year. Between Daryl Morey comments, China, that cost about $4 billion or whatever that was, and the fact that they had about 259 games left on March 11th when they had to stop the season, that was going to represent a huge amount of funds, a huge financial impact, a big hit the league would take. So we know why they're coming back, but I don't know if they can pull it off. Just because they want to doesn't mean they can. Do you think that uh, it's really narrowed down to uh, just a few teams that have a legitimate shot at at winning this thing? Because I know a lot of people are saying it's the Lakers, Clippers, or Bucks, and no one else. Do you think in the format that they're uh, rolling this out in Orlando with the eight games and then uh, the scenarios of the matchups that any – other teams that are there actually have a, a shot at this thing because of how it's set up, or is it just going to be the usual suspects, the Lakers, Clippers, and Bucks kicking everyone's ass? Well, going into the season, I thought it was a team race with the teams you mentioned, the two LA teams and the Bucks. But now I don't know how to view it because you're going to have, you know, nobody's going to have to travel. Uh, there's going to be no fans there. How how the games are going to be played, the intensity level, the passion the players show, I don't have any idea what that's going to be like. Um, we know that LeBron James, I would think that he's going to go in ready to try to win his fourth title. He'll consider it legitimate while the rest of us don't in terms of, you know, it's not a real season. He doesn't have to defend home court. He doesn't have to travel around. He doesn't have to go win in a, you know, as a road team with the Lakers. So I don't know who that other team is. I know a team like Philadelphia is interesting because they couldn't win on the road at all to save their life, Scott, in the regular season. But they get Ben Simmons back. You know, Ben Simmons probably wouldn't have played if it was the regular playoff starting in uh, late April because he had that uh, nerve pitchman in his back. So that's how, you know, that on paper might help Philadelphia. I don't know if he's developed a jump shot in the last three months. That's his problem. So I don't know. I mean, that's a big question. I would still go chalk. I think Toronto's got a shot. Uh, maybe, you know, they're 25 to one, but they've won it last year. I know they don't have Kawhi Leonard. That's going to be a big issue. Who can help them down the stretch of these games and make big shots. But I think if you go with any of the, the Lakers, Clippers, or Bucks, those are probably your teams that are going to win it. You know, the the Nuggets, Mitch, have been talking a lot lately that they want a piece of all these guys. They want LeBron. They want uh, Kawhi. Uh, they want all comers. They'll take on anybody. And then they now they're trying to sell us that the Joker's lost all this weight and he's ripped and ready to go. And Jamal Murray says we're going to win it all. Are you buying or selling any of that rhetoric? No, I'm not buying any of it. I mean, I didn't like Denver. I thought Denver would be a team that could win around maybe two. But uh, look, when you know teams with LeBron and Anthony Davis, teams with Kawhi, Paul George, and Doc Rivers and the Clippers, and the Bucks with uh, Giannis and uh, Chris Middleton and those guys, they're still to me a level or two above the Denver Nuggets, uh, Jokic and Jamal Murray. They're nice up-and-coming players, but they haven't proven anything to me yet in the playoffs. And we know they came off a disappointing year last year, losing Game 7 at home to Portland. But I don't think they're ready to take that next step, not against the elite competition. 
Do you believe, Mitch Lawrence with us, NBA Radio, that uh, LaMelo Ball is someone that the Knicks have their eyes on, or is it this Cole Anthony guy? And I got to tell you, um, I am not that impressed with Cole Anthony and what he did at North Carolina in any stretch. But I got to say that I think LaMelo Ball is a a great little player. Uh, I don't know about franchise changing. I don't know about... You know, they've talked about number one, uh, you know, and uh, there are, you know, all kinds of things that could happen. But do you know if they have interest in in ball or is it Anthony or is it someone else? Well, they probably have interest in both those guys. But I would think that Leon Rose who took over the Knicks. He's running a team for the first time in his life. Obviously did a great job as a powerful player. I think he would like to do something by in terms of getting Chris Paul maybe on board. Chris Paul, we know, long in the tooth, although this year he's been outstanding for Oklahoma City. We know that the contract's ridiculous. But, you know, Scott, he would bring them right away some credibility. And you could see from Leon Rose's standpoint, he probably wants to bring Tom Tibbet, a run team, be the coach. He knows Tom a long time. They have a great relationship. And I would think that he would want Chris Paul, regardless of Melo Ball or who they get out of the draft, and I don't know we're going to be taking or where they're going to be picking, I would think they can look seriously and try to make a move, if possible, to get Chris Paul out of Oklahoma City. That, to me, makes a lot more sense. Yeah, I think you're right. And, uh, you know, the next time we get on, we'll get into more NBA stuff. And I never thought KD and Irving were going to play. Uh, I can't believe everyone got suckered in buying no. tickets on the Nets. No. I never once thought that they were going to no. play. Uh, Mitch, it's good having you on the show. Next time we'll get you on, we'll get you on uh, the TV for sure. We'll figure out all the technical glitches. But thanks for coming on uh, Coast to Coast today, nevertheless. Scott, always appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And hopefully we'll get you on. Uh, we'll, we'll do the TV. Appreciate it. See you. Yeah, we'll get it done. Don't worry, Mitch. Mitch uh, Lawrence of NBA Radio on Sirius XM. So um, there you go. Uh, we've been talking about uh, the NBA today and everything else. I want to get back into uh, the baseball, the draft, the NFL. Uh, we've talked about the golf, and uh, we'll hit everything else that we got left on the docket today. But I do want to get into some of this uh, NFL stuff and the baseball when we come right back. Uh, the kid Torkelson went number one to the Tigers. I don't know if anybody watched the draft last night. It's on again tonight, rounds two through five. That's all it is, is five rounds. So if you have interest in the baseball draft, they're doing it again tonight. We're watching the Colonial in Fort Worth, Texas. They're golfing PGA style on coast to coast. Thanks, Scotty Carver High here with a Sports Grid update. You were just saying that the PGA Tour returned today, the Charles Schwab Challenge at the Colonial Country Club in Fort Worth. Round one still underway right now with the afternoon groups out uh, finishing up on the back nine. Let's take a look at what's going on out there today. Justin Rose shot a 63. He was on fire, a minus seven for Rose. He is the standalone leader right now in the clubhouse. He is followed up by Jonathan Vegas, Abraham Anser, and Harold Varner III. They all are at minus six. Varner's still out there. He is through 16 at minus six. So he's still got a couple of Thomas with possibly. another birdie. Wow, Thomas with another birdie. How about that? And if he got another birdie, uh, that means he's at minus five now, Scotty. So that'll push him to within two shots of Rose. Also on the move, we've seen a strong back nine from uh, Jordan Spieth, who had three birdies in a row to start the back. He's at minus three right now, tied for 23rd. Jim Furyk out there at minus three as well. 
Other high scores here from today, notable names. Ian Poulter with a minus four today. Xander Schauffele with a minus four as well. Further down the list, Patrick Reed with minus two. Tough day for DJ. Dustin Johnson with a plus two today. He'll have some work to do tomorrow. Phil Mickelson with a minus one today as well. Some NBA players are hesitant about the NBA's restart plan, as Scotty was just talking to Mitch Lawrence about. A number of players held conference calls to discuss the uncertainty about restarting the season in the bubble. NBA and the Players Association are agreeing on a plan that would allow players to stay home without any consequences. There were 40 to 50 players on the calls over the past day discussing a number of concerns, including family situations, the inability to leave the Walt Disney World Resort campus, the coronavirus pandemic, and the implications surrounding the emergence of social justice causes in the country. Of course, participants in Orlando will not be allowed to leave the bubble without a 10-day quarantine upon their return. NHL and their Players Association have announced that formal training camps for the 24 teams that are going to be in the resuming play tournament will begin on Friday, July the 10th, if conditions related to the coronavirus pandemic allow it. The league and its players are currently in phase two of their return to play protocol as NHL team training centers will reopen this week for small groups of players. Phase three is the opening of training camps, which is expected to last two to three weeks. Phase four is when they will drop the puck and and finish the 1920 season with the 24 team tournament. NFL has extended virtual offseason programs for teams through June 26th, but no further than that. Although team facilities have been open for key personnel, coaches, and players who are rehabbing, healthy players have been barred due to the pandemic. The remote programs have taken place, and some teams have already announced they are going to be shutting those down. Thursday said they now have an additional 15 days. They have till June 26th to continue those programs. Three more Alabama players test positive for COVID. That brings the total on their team to eight. I'm Carver High with the Sports Grid Update. Want the edge? Get on the grid. All right, there you go, Carver High. Good stuff. And our radio affiliates are with us. Uh, Rory spinning one back from uh, a a wedge from a buck 20 out. And um, I'm watching all these guys. Varner's playing really well. Speed's playing really well. Thomas is rolling him in. He's at five under. So uh, some great golf going on in Fort Worth, the Colonial. Beautiful weather. I mean, it looks absolutely perfect. Uh, there's a very light breeze. It's just great golf weather. 91 degrees to today, Scotty. 91. What is it? Ooh. 91 today down in Fort Worth. 91 and sunny. I mean, they mean business at that kind of temp. All right, can we go um, back to baseball? I want to go back to the uh, MLB draft graphic that we have of the uh, top picks in the first round last night. Torkelson, uh, the bomber out of Arizona State, hits a ton of home runs, broke Bonds records out at uh, Tempe. He went number one to the Tigers. You see the picks. The kid, Max Meyer, the right-hander. Uh, from uh, the Gophers, he went to the Marlins. They not only uh, drafted him, how about that? I, from what I saw last night, they signed him to a deal already for over $7 million bucks. Yep. The Royals got a great lefty, uh, Asa Lacey, out of Texas A&M. He was a hot commodity. Uh, you look at these names up and down. The Pirates got a uh, second baseman, Nick Gonzalez, out of New Mexico State. I saw him play college uh, baseball. And then uh, you look at the rest of the top uh, 10, the Angels getting this Reed Detmers out of Louisville, a lefty. So uh, I don't know if you're into it. The draft is going on as we speak, 
It is underway, the second round, and they go two, three, four, and five tonight uh, of the Major League Draft. Did any of that at all excite you, Carver High? Uh, last night you were making fun of it with me on the radio. <laughs> no. <laughs> you still like bothered it. me about it. No, you know what it is? Uh, you know, you would think that they would maybe at least try to, like, spruce it up a little bit last night, like give a little heightened production value, do some, maybe add some more bells and whistles. I don't know. It just seemed so boring. Uh, you know, you had it on for a couple of minutes, and you don't know who these players are, which is the hard part. I, we were saying this on the radio last night. The NFL draft is huge because you know the players from college, and they are going to immediately play in the NFL. The NBA is the same way. You know the players getting drafted because you watch them in college, and you know they're going to immediately impact NBA teams. This is where the NHL and MLB have the divide. NHL has maybe three to five guys that get drafted at those top three or five picks that they have a chance of playing that following year. MLB, pretty much nobody who gets drafted in the first round you know, is playing immediately. Nobody is. Uh, you know, they're going to minor leagues. They're going to sign their deal. They're going to, you know, they'll see them at spring training next year. You know, there's not immediate factor for the MLB players, and nobody watches college baseball. So that's another reason why uh, nobody knows who these guys are. I mean, this kid, uh, this kid from Arizona State, he broke Bonds' record there, did all this stuff. Let's be fair, Scotty. Before the other day when we were talking about this draft, we ever hear the torque before? Before the, before a couple of days ago? No. I mean, we just didn't. No. And I, I'm sure the kid's going to be a masher in Detroit. Maybe he'll hit, you know, 40 bombs a year for them. But until he goes and does that, nobody's going to know who he is. Well, we didn't know who he was. You called him Vork instead of Torque. So I think that said it all. And I thought Vork was a better uh, nickname to begin with, uh, to be honest with you. So, there you go. All right, Mafia, you saw the uh, Tory Hunter stories about racism at Fenway Park in Boston. Uh, I got to tell you. I'm not surprised at all at the stories that I've heard over the years about, uh, frankly, the city of Boston and their fans at, and at all levels. And certainly at Fenway Park, we've heard this for years, the Yankee-Red Sox rivalry. We've heard it, uh, the racism and the, and the, you know, N-bombs and everything else that are thrown around at, at, at that ballpark. And uh, they've even acknowledged the Red Sox have come out with a statement. They've even acknowledged that they got a problem. Bottom line is, uh, any way you slice it, uh, there's all kinds of racism in Boston. That's just the bottom line. There is, and it's you know it's not just Boston. There's tons of it all over the place, so it's not just singling them out as the only place it is. But there obviously is a lot of incidents that we've heard from in Boston, not just with sports stars. I still remember when we had your boy uh, Jay Chandler Sekar from, of course, Broken Lizard, all the movies of Super Trooper, Beer Fest, all those were who's talking about being in Boston. And uh, these guys from Saudi approached him, and they were ready to kick his ass until one of them recognized him. So, oh, Super Troopers. And then all of a sudden they loved him. But like they were saying stuff to him on the street. They're ready to beat this guy up just because of the color of his skin. Until I realized that he was a movie star and they loved watching him do it. So there's been plenty of things that have happened in Boston over the years that we've talked about, you know, time and time again. And you know what? I give them a little credit for the Red Sox to step up and say, listen, you know, this has happened. This is something that we're trying to fight. This is something that we don't want to happen, but it's there. We're not going to deny it. We're not going to pretend like we're perfect and that, you know, how could you dare say this about our team and about our city? But something we're working on, something we want to improve, just like the rest of the country. So, uh, Carver High, you've been uh, deeper into the uh, Yankee Red Sox uh, history than uh, Mafia because he hates the Yankees. Uh, he's a Mets fan. What do you think of it? Uh, you've been exposed to it. You've seen the racism at Fenway. I mean, we've all seen it. 
Yeah, and and here's the thing. I, I it's been kind of brought to light a lot more there uh, because of the Tory Hunter, because of the Adam Jones. Um, things like that. Uh, that's also not to say, Scotty, that this does not go on um, at any other ballpark on some level throughout the entire country. Uh, that I mean, I'm not not to you know we don't know the, the level of it, but it happens at other places as well. But it seems like uh, a little bit more at Fenway Park over some of the stories that the major leaguers have been telling over the last couple of years. What is uh, Alex Cora saying uh, this evening about uh, the sign stealing? He's opened up about it. He said it wasn't a two-man show. What does that mean? He spoke for the first time since, of course, all of this went down, since he was no longer uh, the Red Sox manager. He spoke to ESPN, and he basically said, uh, you know, I'm sorry for what happened, but uh, this was not – I was not the mastermind behind this entire thing. It sounds like – you know, he kind of said they pegged everything on him and Beltron, and that just simply was not the case. That's kind of what Cora got out there tonight. He has not spoken for months since he was uh, since he kind of resigned as Red Sox manager and the sanctions that came down from the Astro thing. So Joey, uh, Alex Cora, I should say, uh, first time talking tonight says uh, it wasn't just me. Don't don't lump it all on my plate, uh, Jeff Ludlow. Yeah, he said, if there's one thing I'm absolutely sure of is that it was not a two-man show. We all did it. And let me be very clear that I am not denying my responsibility because we were all responsible. Out of respect for the investigation, I decided to stay out of the spotlight. Talking about it wasn't going to change anything. I deserve my suspension. And I'm paying the price for my actions. I'm not proud of what happened. We made a mistake as a group, the entire Astros team. What happened was something that, if you ask anyone involved, no one is proud of it. We're all at fault. Everybody, we're all responsible. Everyone who was part of the team from mid-May until the end of the season, we're all responsible. Uh, Well, what a revelation. Uh, It's simple. I don't think he's the mastermind of it either. I think that... Uh, they all were cheating, and they were all enjoying the fruits of their labor. So they were cheating, and they were winning because of it. And not only that, they won the World Series because of it. And I firmly believe, without a doubt, that they continued cheating in 18 and 19, all the way till they lost the World Series to the Nationals, I believe, without a doubt, and you will never change my opinion, that they they cheated until they got caught. It is no different than anything else. Uh, you cheat on the, uh, you, you know, you cheat, you get caught, you smoke weed, the kid's driving around smoking weed, and then he finally gets caught. He says, oh, it's the first time I ever smoked, Dad, I swear. I, I've never, I've never done it before. I can't believe I got caught tonight. People do everything. You rob until you get caught. You're a, a shoplifter until you get caught. You cheat on your wife or your husband until you get caught. Uh, you cheat on your taxes until you get caught. People do whatever until they get caught. I think the Astros are all liars, and I think they cheated not only in 17, but 18 and 19, too. And you can quote me on that, and I'm not going to listen to one word any of them says, because I think Cora and all the rest of them are a bunch of liars and thieves and cheaters and what Whatever the hell else you want to call them. I hate them forever. I will never, ever say a one thing positive about that organization ever as long as I live. I don't, I, I wish ill will on all of them. 
All of them. And that guy Bregman's a phony toe. All of your numbers, your whole career are a lie. You suck, and you always did. And all you did was hit big numbers because you cheated. And then all of a sudden, he found God and then got rid of his agent because they were going to do a documentary on the Astros. You're a phony, you pansy ass B. That's what you are. Somebody needs to beat your ass. That's what they need. Right. In terms of like, you know, covering that in terms of like, you know, my my angst and venom in terms of what I think of the Houston Astros. I I just wondered if you thought that I, you know, covered it in terms of circling the wagons. Yeah, I think that they're going to welcome you with open arms next time you head down there to Houston. I, I think that everybody will be excited for your arrival and they'll be happy to see you. Um, but here, here's the one thing about the core thing, Scotty. Doesn't 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 that sound like somebody who's admitting what went wrong and that something actually happened? Like we got on the players so much because when they showed up at spring training, their like so-called apologies were so phony and so fake. I feel like if a lot of the players would have said something similar to what Cora just said here. Now I know different situation. He's now fired. You know he's out of the league. He's not managing. Just like the other guys that were, you know, AJ Hinch and everybody else. The players still have to play. But man, at least Cora came out and said, "Listen, everybody had a hand in this." What we did was wrong, and that's the key thing, saying what we did was wrong and everybody had a hand in it because you didn't hear a lot of that from the players when they showed up at camp in February. Yeah, I think they could have uh, helped themselves out a great deal if they would have handled it. I mean, once you're busted, you might as well just uh, own up to it and eat it. When we come back, we'll get into a little McGuire Sosa, look at some of those numbers, NFL and everything else. We'll uh, get it all in on Coast to Coast. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Have you written a book and need some insight into what comes next? Or are you passionate about cooking and want to know how to make it your career? Or maybe you just want to hear insider stories about the entertainment industry. Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. And on our podcast, Two Guys from Hollywood, we bring our expertise to the table with, of course, delicious cocktails and all kinds of recipes for you to try at home. So grab a drink and join us. We've got a wide range of celebrity guests and Hollywood insiders to discuss pop culture, publishing, and entertainment. And we'll provide you with an unfiltered and sometimes brutally honest show about Hollywood. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. Is she? Is that who he's married to? Mafia? That uh, that pole vaulter hottie? In the last year. God bless him. Chick's a smoke show. Can you say that on TV? Be nice. Uh, 
God bless her. Uh, I'm rooting for uh, Ricky now, uh, maybe weekly after hearing that news. All right, uh, we have the graphic of the Choir Sosa game-by-game chart. I don't know if I have a lot of time to spend looking at the game-by-game chart, but look at this. Uh, you think these guys were juicing? <laughs> look at April to uh, October. <laughs> I mean, they should have had this chart going back then in 98. They would have thought maybe something was up when they saw their home run. Look at the home run. Look at that. If that was a, the stock market, we'd all be rich. I mean, look at that, Mafia. What do you think? Uh, how old were you when that was going on, Mafia? Because I was uh, deep in it. 98, I was about 13 years old, so I was too stupid and young to realize that these guys were juicing until they finally found that bottle of pills in McGuire's locker. Like, to me, it was like, oh, my God, it's the greatest thing ever. Look at these guys crush balls. And you found out it was all BS, <laughs> except not according to Sosa. Who are you rooting for, Mafia, in the, uh, in the chase between the two of them? I was rooting for McGuire. I love his personality. I mean, I like Sosa's personality too, but I liked McGuire just jacking those shots left and right with the, the goatee and everything. He was cool. Yeah, I, I, I don't think Mark McGuire has a personality. I think that uh, Sosa, <laughs> you remember Carver High when he ran out on the field at Wrigley every day oh. 100 miles an hour out to right field? It was un- unbelievable. He sprinted out to right. He gave you the... You know, he gave you the whole thing with the hands every time he hit the home runs. I mean, Sosa had a lot of energy. You look at that graph, it looked like he cycled down a little bit in May and early June. A little flat line there for Sosa for a couple of weeks there. Uh, must have been on a cycle down there in that period, huh? Mr. Shot. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't make it to the to the bathroom for that shot. All right, here we go. I, I was reading today, though, Scotty. If you watch this on Sunday night, that they were saying in this article I read, Wire is the Jordan of this documentary on Sunday. So if you're looking for Sosa to be all, uh, you know, get a lot of pub from him, it's going to be more a McGuire based thing. Oh, all right. So a lot of McGuire and very little of Sammy Sosa. Uh, the NFL cancels their in-person minicamps, extends a virtual offseason until June 26th. They're discussing shortening the preseason games for longer ramp-up period. I wish they would just not have preseason football to begin with. Is there anything worse on the face of the earth, honestly, than NFL preseason football? It truly is. I think it's the worst thing that's ever happened to America. Honestly, it is in terms of sports. It is the worst product ever. I don't know what it is, but like they, the first day they start playing Carver High, they have like a game or two. You're like, wow, this is awesome. And then literally like by the second half of that very game moving forward for the next four or five weeks, you want to kill yourself. It's so bad. It's so boring. It's so awful. It's just so meaningless. I don't even know why they do it. Everybody is so ramped up for the first quarter of the first preseason game. They act like it's the freaking Super Bowl. And then by the third quarter of the first preseason game, they can't wait for the regular season to start because the product is so awful. All right. Uh, do we have the uh, Philip Rivers? Uh, we have Philip Rivers bristling at the idea that he can't play anymore. We have a uh, graphic and Mr. Rivers himself. Here we go. I didn't feel like right, so. I had to, you know, sell that to anyone, but at the same time, it, it, it did aggravate you a little bit. And I think that's okay. I think it's okay to be aware. I'm one of those guys that likes to be aware. You know, I don't go searching for stories and, and want to keep up with what everybody thinks. Uh, but at the same time, I, I like to kind of be in tune with, uh, with what's going on. I don't really try to hide from that. I'm not one of those that doesn't turn on the TV or, or look at anything during the season. So, But I don't feel like I have anything to prove, but I am excited, uh, though, to go, to go have a better season and go play, go play better and, and uh, help this team, 
you know, win a bunch of games and, and, uh, and obviously chase, try to accomplish our goals. So there you go. Phillip Rivers, Mavi, are you buying or selling uh, Phillip Rivers as the Colts quarterback? I think he'll be better than what they have, but am I selling him as a guy who's going to bring him to the Super Bowl? No, because it's funny to me that he gets agitated that people question if he has anything left. That's as stupid as, you know, your boy Jameis saying he's one of the best to play the position. Did either of them watch what they did last year? Well, I mean, I know that uh, he had a bad year. I think that team had a bad year. I think that offensive line he had was atrocious, and uh, they had nothing going for him. Their running back held out. It was bad from the jump for them. Haskins uh, says he's going to be more dynamic after his dramatic weight loss. Uh, he's been making all kinds of proclamations about what he's going to do. He needs to calm down. Uh, we have uh, Mahomes now, the star of the Chiefs, the MVP, the Super Bowl MVP, the Super Bowl champ, uh, talking about uh, players having to uh, step up. We have a graphic, and we have Patrick Mahomes on today's Coast to Coast. I feel like with every decision that you make, there's going to be positive and negatives, um, and that's, that is the world that we live in today. But I believe in both my statement and the video that I made that it that stuff needed to be said. Uh, we needed to come together as a, as a, a group, as players and show that we believe that black lives matter and that, that we believe that this needs to be informed and we need to be the role models to go out there and take that step. Well, there you go. Patrick Mahomes telling us stuff we already knew. Thanks, Pat. I appreciate that. Uh, the Vikings <laughs> donate, uh, and Wilf, the family donate 5 million to social justice. He just sounded like a kid that didn't have any idea what he was saying is what I'm suggesting here. He just was just, they, they're like, here, listen, we're going to do a, uh, we're going to do a PSA with you. You're going to talk about this and you're going to convince everyone what you need to do. And, and we're going to do that in five seconds, four, three, two, one, go. And you left the poor kid naked at the altar. Uh, so big Ben is going to reinstate Twitter accounts that he blocked. That has no significance in the world whatsoever. Uh, he should have just kept them blocked because letting the people, uh, be unblocked again, they're just going to come at you again. Uh, it's only going to get worse when you're your age and from here, down the rest of the backside of the mountain, it doesn't get any better. Bruce Arians considers keeping a third quarterback away from the facility. I mean, what is next? All right, can we can we get Rory? I know they're golfing. I know he's not winning, but we think he drinks more beer than anyone on Coast to Coast. We know that he appreciates Guinness more than anyone, and he's very excited. Here he is, a graphic, and uh, Rory talking about being back. Back to work. I'm excited, excited to be back on the road and and doing what I'm supposed to do. You know, play golf and compete. And you know, I, I think that's the one thing I'm looking forward to the most. And the one thing I've missed the most over the past few months is just that the competition. I think I sort of realized over the the few weeks um, or like three months. Like I li I I like golf and golf has given me a lot of great things. But the thing that I missed the most was was the competition. I not that I could take or leave golf because you know I think once you know I, I I was very happy to put the clubs away for a few weeks. But you know once you sort of saw the light at the end of the tunnel and you knew what you were practicing for and getting up for and preparing for, you know that's when you sort of start to get those feelings back again. So and in Irish uh, bar lingo, what that means is he missed the money. <laughs> He's making a move. He's minus two now, Scotty. He's getting back in the mix. Minus two for Rory. All 
right, let's get Rory in there, minus two. Let's get him up to four. Uh, NHL training camps opening uh, July 10th. Thank God. I just want to see hockey. Torts is changing his stance on protest during the anthem. What did he say before, Carver High? If you, uh, if you protested during the anthem, you were going to sit. You weren't going to play. Was that about it? That's ex- that's exactly what he said. A couple of years ago, uh, during when the when the Kaepernick uh, you know first started doing it, and it started spreading out to the other leagues, uh, he said that nobody on my team is going to uh, to kneel or sit down for the anthem. So he has changed his tune on that. Uh, he now sees uh, what it's really all about. All right, uh, we have uh, audio here of my boy Marty Truex at plus 650. I hit him to win at Martinsville last night in uh, NASCAR. We have a graphic and uh, Marty Truex talking on uh, Fox Sports 1. Here we go. Yeah, we just, uh, you know, we've been working a long time uh, on trying to figure this place out. And um, just chipping away at it. You know, the last couple years we've been really strong. And, you know, 18 was a heartbreaker going, you know, at the end of the race there. You know, last year to get the win, and then, um, you know, this year, um, just hats off to the guys. We started the first run and blew, pushed the right front tire off, and we were terrible. So, really good adjustments by the guys. Now, there you go, Marty Truex, New Jersey's finest, in that Sirius XM car and that uh, Bass Pro Shop, son. Get all your fishing gear at the tents at the uh, Bass Pro Shop. Stay focused. You look at some of the fish they got in the pond, too. You'll be styling over there. You can spend the whole day in a Bass Pro Shop. Spend all day there. Uh, Cabela's and that place, they're at war. And maybe they own each other. Who knows? I don't know these things. I just know I don't do any of the above, but I'm rooting for all those people. Then you got the quality care for it, number 19, running real hard. Real clean for me, plus 650 last night, Marty. Way to go, big fella. All right, Mafia, are we going to see racing or racism in NASCAR now that all the Confederate uh, flags have been banned? What's going to get more attention? The fights that the uh, NASCAR police are going to have with fans that refuse to remove their Confederate flags, or are we going to see good racing? I think it depends on where you are, what track it is. And, you know, we heard so far that the two tracks are going to let fans be there in limited attendance is, of course, uh, down in Miami and Homestead and Talladega. So I think you get two different things. Down in Miami, I don't think it'll be a problem. I think people just come and watch the race. When you get to Talladega, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of issues with people trying to bring that flag in and get it on TV. All right, so uh, I want to do this today. I'm very excited about this. We have the uh, graphic of the map of America that reveals which states drink the most beer. Here we go. Most beer per capita per person. New Hampshire was uh, number one. That is unbelievable. Montana, number two. What up, Big Sky? Vermont, number three. I thought it was syrup. Apparently, it's that liquor syrup. Uh, Number four, North Dakota, South Dakota. Have you noticed all these backward-ass places? (laughs) That's where they're drinking the most. You know, they're they're fooling you, though. You know, they're fooling you with these charts and graphs. You know, they're doing the per capita per person. I mean, yeah, I get it. There's a lot of people drinking in New Hampshire, but they don't have a lot of people. So, you know, all the alcohol that gets consumed are getting consumed by the small amount of people that are there. It's the same thing with Montana. You know, there's one person every... you know, 50 square miles. So they, they're drinking a lot. I'll give them that. Uh, but <laughs> there's not as much as, like you see, 700 gallons, Scotty, in California. Now that's drinking. <laughs> that's strong effort there in the Golden State. And then, wait a minute, let's show that again. New York, number three. Carver High has 40% of that covered in his belly. Yeah, uh, and in right. Texas, Florida, Pennsylvania, the top five. 
Uh, there you go. Georgia down there with the Thrillbillies at number 10 checking in. The map of state rankings in terms of beer drinking. That's very important stuff we did today on the show. Uh, Montana and Lombardi birthdays today. How about that? Jumping Joe. Joe Montana. I saw him play every game at Notre Dame in his career. Uh, Vince Lombardi's birthday today as well. Tito Ortiz, the uh, MMA fighter. Uh, Tito, who's threatened to kill me before on multiple occasions uh, because I was uh, friends with his porn star girlfriend. Um, Anyway, he wants to be a cop now. All right, uh, Kendall Jenner Malibu'd up with Devin Booker. Is she hooked up with Devin Booker at a son's? That's styling. I guess they went to Nobu. Get some of that there, Deb. What up, kid? Uh, here you go. New York City health officials advised kinky Zoom parties. Mitch Lawrence is going to be in charge of that. The kinky Zoom party. <laughs> My boy Mitch, he's got the Zoom party starting later tonight. <laughs> there he is. My man. My man Mitch. And masks during sex amid the COVID. A uh, daughter stole 80 grand from her mom with dementia and blew it all on lingerie and holidays. A uh, sex island party where guests are offered unlimited sex and booze. How do I get a plane ticket to there? It's fantastic. Uh, Cops, the television show has been canceled after 33 seasons. Plus, I'm hearing that they've canceled Live PD, which was the number one rated cable show on television of late. That Live PD is another cop show where they chase people around and arrest them. Uh, And Dan Abrams hosted. They canceled that show, too. No more cop shows. How about no more cops? Soon enough, there'll be no popo. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. So Harold Varner caught Rose at seven under at the Colonial in Fort Worth, 90 plus degrees. They're rocking at the PGA Tour. Everybody's stoked. I'm actually enjoying watching it. It's always exciting to have another edition of This Day in Sports. Here we go. 1959, Charlie Sifford becomes the first African-American to play in a U.S. golf open. 1977, Seattle Slough wins the Triple Crown in 1970. 79, Bjorn Borg, one of my favorites, wins the second of his four straight French titles and sixth overall. In 1982, Larry Holmes TKOs Jerry Cooney. Gentleman Jerry in 13 for the heavyweight title. They should have never stopped the fight. In 1990, Nolan Ryan pitches the sixth no-hitter of his career, extending his major league record. Ryan was the first to pitch no-hitters in three different decades to accomplish. Sports Grid. 
Bet.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, everyone. It's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.